welcome to you, but more powerful. I'm your host, Rhiannon, and this is your go-to podcast for raw and expansive messages from health, fitness, business, and mindset. And as always, with a little bit of fun sprinkled in. My purpose is to help you step into your most powerful self and build your dream life. You'll gain clarity, connection, and confidence with a whole lot of practical skills along the way. I know you're in exactly the right place to level up, build the body, mindset, and life you absolutely love and thrive in. Let's go. Hello, and welcome back to another podcast episode of the You But More Powerful podcast. Today, I have the gorgeous Kate, who has been one of the OG Glow Up program team members. And Kate, is this the first podcast you've been on? It is the first podcast, and I'm not sure... I'll probably be on another one. I didn't think I'd ever be on one. Hey, well, there you go. Pop in the podcast, Cherry. It might be the first of many. Who knows? Who knows? Could be a new career. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That'd be quite fun. Um, But it's an honour to have you on and it's exciting to chat. Obviously, we were chatting a little bit off air, um, but we want to get, you know, get the recording going so we can get all the fun stuff to talk about. Really, I guess I wanted to start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, what do you do and how's your morning been? We'll start with that. So I'm originally, I grew up in Cronulla, um, and like southeast Sydney. I now live in Potts Point, so quite close to the city because my I work in financial markets and um, relatively long hours, always kind of concentrated in the city. So I kind of made the move uh, closer to work when I started full-time work in about 2018. Um, and I'm, I'm actually just about to go to Mexico in like a week, so... I'm not really thinking about anything else other than that at the moment. I'm actually really jealous. Like I'm still like, can we just pay for extra luggage and I'm coming in the bag? Yeah. <laughs> where where else are you going in Mexico? So I'm starting in Cancun and then I'm going um, Ala Mejeres, Tulum, oh. uh, Puerto Escondido, Isla Holbosch. I am so, so jealous. Yeah, I'm so excited. I feel like I really like just live vicariously through you. Please go to that jungle gym in Tulum. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what so many people said that to me. And I'm like, oh, I'll see how it feels. Like it, I can't, it looks semi-weird though. It, yeah. I, the, don't know, I don't really understand how the, like the free weights and stuff. I know. Like, it's all wooden. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, why. That's why yeah. I'm like, how do you make the weight? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I don't know. maybe it's just like all for Instagram and it's just like these like really lightweights and they're labeled 50 kilos and the guys are all there with their ego. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Maybe I'll go check it out to see, you know, yeah, I feel like whether they're just lying to us all. Exactly. It's like the the fake weights. It's like, just go and check it out. Because there was one like that um, Dubai that Michael wanted to go and visit. But when we were there, it was like 50 degrees and it was literally an outdoor space. And oh God. advised by locals to say like, don't don't even bother going because like it, it's just like not a good time. So we yeah. ended up getting to see it. But I was like, I just want to like go past and like see like, how does this work? So anyway, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to record the second podcast episode. Just tell us all about your holiday and your trip. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. All right. So I kind of you know we've spoken and we've worked a lot and you've you've had some amazing progress and some amazing highlights. Um, and I'm sure you know plenty more to come. But I really wanted to take it back to maybe just asking you the question around like when did you first become aware about food and your body? And do you ever remember any kind of like negative associations that you might have had growing up or, you know, late teens, early, you know, adulthood around your body and around food and that culture? Yeah. So I like looking back, I think, and like, I don't, I in no way think this um, experience is unique to me, like the kind of standard body image issues that you kind of start having like even from primary school which is a bit heavy to reflect back on that um but you know like there was the standard like the bottles in the magazines and being like oh god like I don't look like that um but I think like I was I think the the more the issue was um the kind of emotional eating started from quite a young age so that was like similar to like I think kind of got that from my mum like she's always been like a a big foodie and um big sweet tooth and and things like that and so that I always like I was very sporty when I was young um but I also ate like quite a lot um 
and like just really I still I still do really love food and so I think it kind of started and I remember going on Weight Watchers when I was like 14 or 15 and again because I was like quite sporty I was never like overweight um I was just like you know maybe a little bit heavier than what I would have have liked to be or recommended kind of thing back then yeah 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 um and because mum had been like on and off weight watchers kind of throughout childhood uh throughout my childhood and so then like I started that um I think I lost a bit of weight and then but like it's probably only a couple of kilos and then put that back on and then it was probably not until my first year out of high school because I finished high school until a gap year. That was when I kind of really started getting into it Um, and that's when I kind of found like calorie counting um, and it was more focused on calorie counting than macro counting. And I think that that period of my life that that probably went on for like a few, like three or four years um, and that was very kind of like yo-yo. Like I'd kind of go from like, like hit 60 kilos get down to like 60 uh 60 kilos get down to like 50 um and would kind of it was very cyclical like that and that's because I was so I was so restrictive like it was actually like it was extremely unhealthy but it probably if it probably went any further it would have been like borderline eating disorder like it was almost like a game how low could I get Mm. my calories for the day um and like, I probably eat like meat once a week because it was just like, oh, it's so high in calories. Like, yeah, almost like snapped out of it. I was like, oh, this is not like healthy. Um, and that is when I found my first coach, um, who was just like a local coach in the Shire. Um, and that's so that's when I kind of started getting into, um, macro counting and like a structured weight program and stuff like that whereas before I'd kind of like I had initially started running and I was running like 50ks a week um I stopped I had to stop that because I like hurt my knee and my like shoulders were hurting and things like that and I did like you know the Kayla it's seen us like 12 yeah. week all that kind of stuff like I feel like I've you know done it all yeah um so yeah, then I started with my coach and that so that was probably like how old am I now? Twenty-nine. That was probably like seven or eight years ago. Um, kind of like consistently tracked macros and calories since then. Yeah. And that was I was probably with her how long have I been with you? Maybe like three years? Yeah, it's coming up towards that. Yeah. So I think I was with her and then I did Oh yeah, then I joined the company that you used to be at and eventually found you and then came to you. Yeah. Yeah, and we haven't looked back. <laughs> no. Thank you for sharing this so much to unpack. Like honestly, I think a lot of people can really resonate, especially our age, you know what I mean? Our age. That weight watchers Jenny Craig, like all of that stuff was like so prevalent back then, and it was really around like BMIs and this and you got to do this and you got to do yeah. that and I do think like when it comes to the reason and the intention behind there, I, I definitely, well, I personally feel, you know, maybe not everyone is in the same position, that the intentions from like my parents and everything were definitely in the right place of like, okay, this is a company who does structured eating. And we know that, you know, we need to look at healthy eating, you know, quotation marks healthy for those people yeah. that are only listening to the podcast, um, you know, and it's just like, all right, these are the points and these are the things. So I guess like from a certain level, you know, like that might be advantageous and helpful, but it is a very slippery slope, like you mentioned, and that game of like, okay, you know, okay, we're calorie counting now. And and a lot of people probably associate when they hear macro counting, they're probably just thinking around like how much food I'm allowed to have in my day rather than like, and when, where that's where we're referring to calorie counting comparatively to macro counting, where we're looking at the actual foods that we're comprising in our total budgets. Yeah. And, do you, yeah, and are you able to like expand a little bit more on that differentiation from your perspective from the calorie counting versus macro counting and how it's different in your eyes? I think it's 
I guess different because you're more, um, I guess you focused on the like composition of your calories rather than like the total number. Um, I, but I also think, and like, again, this is, this is, this is my experience. It obviously some people are able to count macros and stuff and not, um, not feel like restricted or like not have like a negative association with it or anything. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, it is kind of like, it's a more efficient way of um, counting. But like, I think in in my mind, as I look back on it, it was just kind of like another form of restriction. Um, And because like my personality is like, you know, like quite high achiever, perfectionist, all that stuff. It having something kind of, yeah, yeah. I would just would be like almost see it as like rules and like I can get like a little bit um, obsessive about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When it kind of becomes that like as, like as as you know and like the times when I have lost a little bit of weight, I tend to go like one extreme or the other and I'm like, you know, I'm hitting all my macros perfect, my calories perfect, steps, sleep, exercise, all that stuff but I don't have a social life. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's it. It's just finding that that balance and that. So I guess if to to touch on, because there's, there's a lot to go through for sure, is like hearing the, the the previous experiences around like that game and where you'd be down to 50, back to 60, back and forth kind of thing. We can definitely draw a parallel to, you know, the coaching experience around, you know, not, not necessarily fear of weight gain, but, you know, an element of like that kind of creeping up or creeping in. But then also knowing that like you're a completely different person now comparatively to who you were back then as well. And I think that's really important to differentiate because I've fallen trapped to this sort of stuff before as well, where a previous version of me was training three times a day, restricting my calories to 800 calories, absolutely ridiculous. Like that's just no, don't even go there, right? And doing this exercise that when I, you know, had started to dial things back in, in a very different position, you know, in a way different mindset, different life, you have that kind of, oh, am I going to go back there? But then it's kind of like being comfortable with, okay, I am in a different phase in my life. I am a different person. I have a whole bunch of different knowledge. I think that's the, the key is that education comparatively now. And, and we'll talk about like moving into this intuitive space and like tracking and what that sort of stuff looks like for you. But it's like, yeah, just being able to compare, okay, I'm not that same person and I have a whole bunch of experience and education and knowledge around how that sort of works that I'm not going to do that. But again, like you mentioned, it's still some of those rules and parameters. And I actually have a podcast episode touches on it, but one that's going to come out um, very shortly around rules that are, and I think we've spoken about this, rules that are helpful and rules that are hindering around our just lives in general and our food and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, you know, not everyone is essentially going to agree off first exposure to this, that I personally believe just, you know, again, going through my own experiences and coaching experiences is that we essentially need to sort of earn the right to intuitively eat. And now what I essentially mean by that is the way, if we think about the way that everyone lives their lives, most of us, like we've, you know, spoken about is just going through autopilot, right? So we're out of control with our emotions. We can't have a healthy expression of these things. We can often turn to food for comfort, like you've, you know, alluded to earlier, that emotional sort of eating. And it can be that quick fix. And then there's that lack of knowledge, the lack of understanding around food. And that's what confuses people with, you know, I'm, I'm eating well, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm still lacking energy. I'm still lacking performance in the gym and I'm not necessarily maybe not eating enough or disguising with, oh, I just feel like eating Macca's drive through today. And, and that's not necessarily what intuitive eating is essentially. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I, I think um, like, I, like I was talking to my sister about this yesterday when I was telling her I was doing this podcast. Um, Cause she, same thing, like she's been tracking macros for like five years or something. Um, and it is kind of, it gets to the point like, yes, I'm intuitive eating now, but because I tracked macros for seven years, calories for 10 years, I still have a rough idea of what I'm eating. And like, you know, I'll know that if I have, you know, breakfast out, lunch out, dinner out, depending on, you know, what I'm eating, probably going to be over like 
my maintenance calories, probably not going to hit protein, going to be over fat, over carbs. Like, and that's like not tracking any of that, but it's, um, yeah, you are aware of that. And I think with intuitive eating, it's like, it's not a, um, I don't think you can solely rely on your hunger signals. Like, as you said before, you've got to think about the other KPIs, like, yeah, you might never be hungry, but you're not sleeping well, you're lacking energy, you're in a bad mood, and then it's like, okay, well, there's something else going on that your hunger signals aren't accurately um, telling you, like, the amount of fuel you need. Yeah, for sure. And I love how you explained the that whole, you know, you got yourself to the position now. It's not like you've only just entered your health and fitness journey. You've been in it for quite some time. You've got that level of knowledge and understanding. So now, and you're not looking at food in an obsessive way of like, oh no, this is strictly this and that, but it's like kind of having that mental log or having a running total throughout your day of like, okay, where am I sort of at and checking in with yourself. And that's that, that level of understanding within your own body and your own needs that gives you that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, when we look at different phases and I, you know, talk to this a lot around like maintenance phases, growth phases, fat loss phases in a fat loss phase, you're essentially going against your hunger cues. Like your body's going to say I'm hungry, but we know, okay, well that that's inevitable. Like how do we mitigate some of those things and just trying to, you know, look for more satiating foods and volume foods and all that kind of stuff. But if we were just to listen to every single hunger cue and just eat when we were hungry, we're not going to get that result that we want. Just as the same as if we're trying to, you know, focus on our performance, we've sort of spoken about, and that might be a good um, topic to discuss around like your post-workout nutrition, how that's adapted and changed for your runs and just fueling yourself and kind of switching. So I guess for those that, you know, don't have the same level of awareness, obviously we're coaching together and I'm like, oh yeah, I you yeah. Know, see all your data. It's like, we've gone from, um, you know, looking and tracking the food and having that kind of a little bit of that restriction feel to it, moving into more of that intuitive space and tracking the other KPIs to see, okay, what's our data doing? How is everything going? Your performance is increasing. And then looking at, okay, well, the volume of food that we're having now is, you know, we're, we're comfortable and happy with that based on your data. It's doing what it needs to, but then it's like the running, you know, and the runs and the training. It's like, how do we fuel for that with the fuel that we're having in this sort of intuitive space? So hope I haven't lost anyone, <laughs> but are you able to share a little bit about like how moving from that food and food into like nourishment and fuel has changed for you? Yeah, I think, I think before I go into that, I just kind of, you, I think people need to be aware and this is like a different experience for everyone, but like, what role food plays in your life yeah, and like what role exercise plays in your life. So when I was like bouncing between 60 kilos and 50 kilos and counting calories and stuff, like my self-worth was really tied to my weight and like what my body looked like. So it was, there was always that kind of like negative association with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, like environment plays a role in that. Like even just like I look at my Instagram, who I follow on Instagram now, and like five years ago it was WBFF, you know, competitors. And like I was constantly looking at like how can I eat like as much volume as possible for as little calories as possible, blah, blah, blah. Whereas now I follow like a lot of dietitians, people who are doing like half marathons, like and like that that has just like really changed and um I think that's reflected in how I've kind of shifted now from food and like a restrictive counting calories to now like nourishing and, and, and fueling. Um, And then, yeah, with running, I think that was, that was a little bit of an adjustment, especially like post run in getting, cause at this, when I first started like doing like some, decent distance or like this de- decent distance for me so like like this morning I did a 10k run when I would do like when I first started kind of three months ago and would do like 8ks I'd just be like on a Saturday like morning I'd just be shattered for the rest of the day like and I know that we talked about like after I run I don't really have an appetite and so I'd you know maybe I'd have a shower and, and then like I would eat because I knew that I like needed to eat 
but even that like they're just the even it was like healthy and it was protein carbs um it still wasn't I wasn't like really nailing the post-workout intrusion because I was just like shattered and so now I find like first thing I do after a run is I have like a power aid or something like that and like focus first on like properly rehydrating and getting some carbs in and that makes like a massive difference to how I feel like the rest of the day. Yeah, which is huge given all the experiences and stuff that you've come from to get to this position now of like, hey, I know that I'm not really that hungry, but learning about that why. And it's funny because if we think about it, and I I don't know if you share this same experience, is like when we're dehydrated, the last thing you're going to think about is trying to eat food. Like you've got no saliva in your mouth because you're dehydrated, right? When we're running and exerting all this, we're losing fluids where, you know, we're sweating, we're losing out, you know, um, electrolytes, all this kind of stuff. So we're dehydrated, but we have so many endorphins after the fact of this as well. So it's this like double-edged sword. It's like, there's nothing on the inside, but we feel on top of the world. So then- how are you like if we knew that we were just in a normal setting like this and I feel dehydrated the last thing I'm going to think about is trying to shove food down my mouth because there's nothing there to help that digestion but then like in that setting we don't realize because it's disguised but then it like ruins yourself for the rest of the day and I think it's it's funny because like funny is not the right word but I go on my little like tangents because I think when we think about life we always try and you know stay away from any kind of bad experiences or we think bad experiences are bad but we also need to experience the other side of things and and hopefully it's just in a you know a managed kind of way so something like you have of like why am I ruined for the rest of my day you know and then being able to reflect on that okay okay well maybe there might be some you know little um, gaps or things that we can adjust and, and tweak and whilst you mightn't be able to stomach the food exactly that let's replenish let's rehydrate and have something that's still getting carbs in but you're not physically having to eat this stuff as well and so if you hadn't have experienced the negative effects of your day kind of you know taking hit in your energy and all this kind of stuff it would be quite difficult for your personality type as well for me to be like you need to have this straight after your training session you'd be like "Mm, I don't think so so it's like Because you've been able to experience the negative effect of that in a, you know, when not a life or death situation, it's like now you're able to go, okay, like I can check in with myself. And that's all part of that in- intuition. It's not, I'm just going to, I just feel like having something. And it's like really connecting with yourself of like, okay, what, what do I actually need from that standpoint? Is that, is that where you feel as well that you're at? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, it's funny, like, again, um, you know, comparatively to who it's like comparing to ourselves but I know before you're like a, a pretty decent run and you're like dropping in a 10k I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this being like I wish I could run 10k <laughs> but I also know your goals and where you're headed and what we're doing so it's all perspective but it is really funny isn't it because I'm sure you're going you're comparing to a marathon runner you know <laughs> yeah yeah like I'm comparing my boss does like you know marathons all the time like four minute 30 k's and I'm like oh my god that's outrageous you're like uh yeah so I'm like I'm like he's a runner I'm just you know but then like to my my sister she was like oh my god you're going on 10k run like yeah she doesn't run at all so yeah yeah and I think like that there is like for you to in be in a non-judgmental way it's a credit to the work that you've done because I know you put in a lot of work behind the scenes and you know outside of our discussions really like checking in with yourself and learning more about yourself and being more accepting of these things or just understanding where that judgment and stuff comes in so tidying up like you said your social media that's a huge one it's like yeah. your environment really matters but just seeing you to be able to go now that okay, yeah, 10Ks is big to some others, but also I have work to do, but you're not judging yourself. You're actually like content with where you're at. You're not complacent, but content. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a big one. Yeah. (laughs) So tell me like a little bit more around your training and how that's kind of evolved and changed because we know nutrition and training go hand in hand. Um, And obviously, you know, what we really focus on, where did you start in the gym versus, you know, how that's kind of transitioned throughout your life phases? So I started, so yeah, like when I was younger, I was very, like I played a lot of team sports. So I played border polo, soccer, netball. Um, and then when I first joined a gym, actually I first joined Fernwood where there was like that, 
No, not oh, Fernwood. Curves. Curves. Yeah, yeah, I did this. I was like, hang on a minute, because we're like the same age. I was like, I remember this. It was that 30th yeah. circuit. Yeah. Yeah. So that was um, what I did first. And yeah. like, no, no, like shade to curves, but like that didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think I went from that to running. And then once I like got like knee and shoulder injuries, then I went. Then I was at Fernwood, but I was doing like the Kayla had seen us thing. And so it wasn't until I started with my coach, well, like my first coach that it got into like a structured weight training program, um, which like to be honest was like is pretty similar to like the training programs I've um, done with you in the past when I was um, solely kind of weight focused. So, yeah, and that was – kind of like have been on that ever since so like for the past like kind of seven years um and then last year oh, when was it was it last year when oh, no, i was in 2021 when we were in first lockdown mm-hmm. i started um getting into running because like the gyms were shut and so i started getting into running but then kind of like fell that fell away when the gyms reopened and then god i can't believe that was two years ago that doesn't yeah. feel like that long ago I know I like when you said that I was like how are we in 2023 like I I remember this like that you know yeah anyway <laughs> yeah so then yeah once gyms reopened that kind of fell away and then last year I again kind of it always happens like the same the same happens around like you know April when the April May when you know it's starting to get a bit cooler and I'm like oh maybe I'll start running again yeah. um <laughs> So last year I did the city to surf. So that was, and look, and reflecting on that, I probably tried to hold on to weights too much. Yeah. Um, I think I was still doing like four weight sessions a week and also didn't have a structured running program. So it was a little bit all over the shop and not great. And then again, once I finished city to surf, I kind of just gave up running again. And then this year in April, again committed to running and I think like I think what well, not I think like it's definitely gonna stick now and yeah part of that has been like okay with you being like I can't do everything at once like I kind of I run three days a week and I have three weight sessions one of which is like a I guess we'd consider it like it maybe a bit less heavy yeah like more of more of your accessory style stuff yeah and that that along with having like a I just found like a there's like an app called runner and it does like um kind of generic kind of programs but tailored to like your speed and how much you want to run a week blah 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 so I just do that and yeah that's I think that's made like a massive difference in in kind of like balancing my running and my weights and I also think like you kind of go through phases in life like I'm really enjoying my training now the split between running and weights but you know maybe in like six months I'll be like oh I want to lean more back to weights or you know um just kind of like fluid with that and that's you know been really good with you because obviously you don't do anything on the running side but you're like yeah sweet well you know adjust the weight training to support that and yeah yeah, no, and one, thank you. I'm glad you feel that way. But two, it is it is important because I just as you were saying, I was like, oh, this is like so amazing for other people to hear is that your goals can change without you having any judgment on yourself because it's not a, I don't want to achieve these things. It's just, okay, I'm really enjoying this. Let's do stuff to support it, right? So your training program is, you know, not about trying to be a power lifter and trying to hit your, you know, your squat bench and deadlift. And like, yes, we have these movements and things in there um, in some kind of form, but it's like supporting what you need for running, right? And you mentioned all your niggles and things before around like your shoulders, all the hips. And, and it's like, our training program is designed for a structured because, you know, again, like you mentioned, structure is important when it comes to progression and, and training and supporting things in the right way. But it's like, we don't want the, you unable to recover from your runs because you're in and you're smashing yourself in the gym. And then you just kind of, again, yeah. this like low energy state, which is not what we're trying to achieve. So being able to change that and adjust it and go, okay, what do we need to support? You know, looking at our posterior chain, getting our glutes, our hips, all of that sort of stuff is important when it comes to your running. So you're 
training for your runs and then vice versa, you know, it might be like, all right, now we're going to strip some things back. And you, like you said, you might want to shift here and being really fluid about that. Like one, it's really important to me in my programs that it is because it's not my goals. Like whether I want to do the city to surf or not, that's doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm, I'm not programming it for me. I'm programming it for you, you know? And that's that, I guess that personalization is like where it comes in. If someone's not following that personalized program or that structure to them, you know, even just for a period of time in their life, I think it's something that we can all really gain from like having that tailored because if you were just to follow random things, you, you think, okay, well, am I supposed to be in the gym five days a week and running five days a week? And it's just like, that is just, what else do you do in your life? Unless you're, unless you're literally a competitive runner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's like, you know, unless you're wanting to do like WBFF or like have some like specific goal, I think like for me, I'm like, I'm just kind of, I do it because I enjoy it. And so, you know, you don't force yourself to, if you're not loving weights, like don't force yourself to do weights four times a week. Like speak up and be like, you know, or be like, you know, I really hate lap pull down. I don't enjoy it at all. Like yeah, if you just exercise, like it doesn't need to be in there. Like don't do anything you, you don't want to do. Yeah. And that's it. It's like, I, um, I love actually, you know, that's a really good point that you touched on because for those who don't know at the end of a training block, I'll, you know, ask you guys and just to fill out like, all right, what did I love? What did I love? What, what did I achieve during this block? And what do I want to focus on next? And yours is always great because it gives me the tools to be so much more specific about what you want, because there's an element of like, yes, we know that you know, I talk about hiding the, um, what is it? Hiding the vegetables in with the potato, you know, there's some things that we, we need to do that are going to challenge yeah. certain elements for certain things. But if we're really, really hating a movement and sometimes it's to do with our gym, our gym's so busy and that piece of equipment is never available. That's just frustrating. Yeah. Let's remove that from the situation because now you're just going in and you got the shits because there's five guys on the same piece of equipment forever in a day and you're not getting to use it. And now you're not finishing your program and that perfection comes back in. It's like, oh, this is frustrating. Change it. <laughs> you don't have, you're not, no one's holding a gun to your head and you have to do that pull down. Like we can yeah. adjustments. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to take a quick break to let you know how you can work with me. I currently have places inside of the Glow Up program. If you don't know what this is, it is a completely personalized programming, nutrition and education online coaching service. I've specifically designed this to help women get strong and shape their physique, whether that's lose fat, build muscle, or both. The Glow Up is best suited for women who love lifting, but haven't ever had their programming or nutrition customized specifically to them. Maybe you've dabbled in some classes or you've seen some results from PDFs and other app programs. You wanna get better, more efficient, and long-term sustainable results, all whilst learning a whole heap about your body along the way. Maybe you've had a coach before, but you're still struggling with overtraining, undereating, and that all or nothing fixed mindset approach. Nothing is ever good enough, and you wanna be able to hit those results without constantly crashing and burning, or just burning the candle at both ends. To claim your spot, DM me the glow up on Instagram, or hit the show notes for your application form. I'll be in touch to let you know for a good fit. Actually, I'd love to hear your perspective on this as well, because on my end of things, and I experienced this with resistance around people changing how many days that they train, right? They get really attached to this one of like, I've got to be in the gym five, six days a week. And um, again, this is, I could go into depth on this around the programming side of things, the minimum effective doses, how many, you know, sets per week, per muscle group, et cetera. But it's like, there's a lot that we can do in terms of like changing. Some people that are in the gym for five days a week might only be doing half an hour sessions because that's all they have capacity to. So they might be in there more frequently. Others might have two hours to train, but they only want to be there three days a week. Can you share your experience on how your mindset, I would say, has changed and what you would credit that to around removing days from the gym whilst you're increasing other activities or even when we changed and reduced days without doing all of this running as well? Yeah, I think it's kind of just comes down to trial and error. So when last year when I wasn't following a structured running program and still doing, you know, trying to run and do four weight sessions a week, I was just like, I wasn't enjoying it. Like 
it'd come to my runs and I'd just be like, I don't want to do this. Like I'm so exhausted. Um, and so, yeah. And so like I had to go through that to be like, okay, this is not working anymore. Um, I need to pull back. And there's definitely that, again, coming back to that perfectionism and kind of like the history of restriction and self-worth tied to body image. I think it, there is that resistance to kind of pull back because you're like, well, what, like what happens? And it was the same moving to intuitive eating. Like I was like so, like I probably thought had been thinking about it for like two years, but I just wasn't ready to like relinquish that kind of sense of control. So, yeah, I think with it's just something that that you kind of, well, for me it was just something that I needed to go through to be like, okay, this, like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and yeah, like it, it, it definitely depends on what else you've got going on in your life. Like when we're in lockdown, yeah, we train like six days a week because I didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. And like probably same when I was like working from home, whereas now I'm in the office five days a week, you know, I'm like do like at least one 12 hour day a week start one day. We start at 6am. Like, it's just not realistic for me to run three days, try to four or five days in the gym. Like that's just not, it's not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think like, I, you know, I've experienced this and I know when I, when I talk about things, it's like, oh yeah, but we can easily go, oh, she's in the health and fitness realm or she's doing these things. So it's easy to just like dust it off, but hearing it like from yourself is literally just the example of as your life changes and your circumstances change, things can adjust to support your lifestyle. It's not tied to this one way of thinking. And I think a really big credit, you know, to you and and, and maybe some people will experience things differently um, is that you're always really open and honest and can communicate really well. It's like you do those reflections and then you come and you're like, all right, these are the, these are the changes and these are the things something's got to, something's got to give and where to from here, because you don't have to have all the answers. It's just, you have to be that, that awareness within yourself to be like, all right, something's not you know I'm not recovering from this I'm not doing this and we can see okay we need to make an adjustment um and just yeah reflecting on like your your day-to-day life is important you know you see people that have I see it all the time it's like 12 hour days Monday through to Thursday because they've got their RDOs on a Friday and they're trying to cram everything possible into these like Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and it's like hang on let's just look at how like let's look at our week as a whole and zoom out and have that bird's eye and be like right how do we fit these things in rather than how do I just like (laughs) burn myself during the week (laughs) yeah yeah and I think like um I know like when I was like quite restrictive and going like hell for leather on the like health and fitness aspect and just had zero social life. Like I was not going out because I was like, well, then I'm not going to hit my like macros, calories, sleep, like everything perfectly. Um, And that's like, as you know, that's been like a really big goal of mine to have more balance. Um, And in in terms of both like not being restrictive, but also not going so far the other way, um, which I've tended to do. Uh, in the past and especially like my work is quite social and like there's usually like I was out Thursday night for a work dinner and then had like a Friday lunch with work and that's yeah I I guess you just got to like look at your life and what you value and yeah and it evolves and changes over time I think that's a really good one to touch on is like just going you know down there now of around that socializing and like like you mentioned it's I've, I've really started to adopt new mottos. And I was like, one of the mottos I want to like advocate for is all or something. We're moving away from like all or nothing. It's like, there's all, like go all in when you can. Otherwise just get something done. And yeah. so, yeah, you spoke around like that balance of socializing, hitting your own goals, things that are important to you. And it is challenging. I think with the way that life operates these days is we expect so much of not only ourselves, other people, we expect that we can be so productive with our time. It's almost like we we think we're AI and we're robots and we can just do everything all the time at high capacity. And it's like, we might be able to, you know, if we've got our baseline here and we might be able to increase a little bit in the social aspect, but it is going to take a little bit of hit to those other areas. So how can we mitigate those negative effects? And, you know, okay, well, we don't really have much in that social realm. How do we kind of 
you know, push in those areas that we can and then be okay when we need to bring those things back to baseline. And it's like, if you think about it, that triangle, it's like, you know, there's sometimes where it's going to be skewed into this direction, sometimes it's going to be skewed into that direction, but it's bringing yourself back to that center. And I know that that's something that you've really worked on your strategies with. How, how would you say you operate now with creating more of that balance? And, you know, we're in, in the process of this. So maybe when, when things change again, we'll do another potty episode, but like comparatively to how you used to handle that social and that staying home versus now, where are you at with all of that? So I think, and like, this is probably like the thing that finally pushed me into intuitive eating um, was that you know, between work and like social events, like 30th, 10s, weddings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm probably out like two to three times a week. And so it was kind of just becoming like, I'm tracking, I'm trying to track macros and calories, but you know, and yeah, you can guesstimate it when you're going out. But if you're having like three meals a week, out that's like you know various courses like it's kind of just like it's what's the point of even trying to track it like if you can only do three days accurate then it's a little bit like of that and it was kind of just being like yeah um, kind of it was becoming like a little bit of a chore and then also like a little I'd feel a little bit like guilty because I'd you know be reporting my like calories and macros to you and be like this is just like this is just finger in the air. Like I don't even know at this point. Um, just to cut in with that, sorry, is to say that it's not even, it, it's a chore because you were quite aware of how you can consume throughout the day. So you were already kind of like, I know roughly this is kind of fitting or not fitting, but there's no, like you don't have the actual data and that evidence. Like you mentioned, it's kind of like, well, this is redundant because it's not really accurate. But I also know that based on this data, I've overconsumed or underconsumed, or it's kind of in that ballpark figure. So it's like you were already kind of doing that. And so then you had that epiphany of like, well, yeah, this doesn't make sense, but I'm also happy with how the data is moving or, you know, if it's not, we make an adjustment, but it's like you, you already had that knowledge underneath. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But I think at the like end, it was more, it was actually like doing more harm than good because like, I'd be like, all right, well, I'm going out for dinner tonight, but I'm like, I still want to hit my protein. So I'd like, I like it'd get to the point where I'm just like eating just to hit protein or like eating just to do that, like completely unaware of my like hunger signals. And then, you know, because you'd go out to dinner, you didn't know what would be on offer um, because, you know, most of the time it's just like shared things. It's not like, you know, I'll just get um, my own plate or whatever. So, and then you'd end up overeating, and then you feel shit, and then you'd be like, oh, um, that cycle. But yeah, yeah. So, whereas now I'm like, okay, well, I'm going out for dinner. So, I'll, you know, have a high protein breakfast, I'll have a protein shake, and that's kind of like the best I can do. And, you know, not like just continually eat, eat, eat just to get protein in. And because, like, I know that like, oh, you, when you look at that hierarchy, calories in versus calories out is obviously the, the most important and then it goes like down in, in priority and and um impact and so yeah it was like yeah I was hitting my protein but I was ending up like you know 500 over. calories over maintenance like so yeah I think the balance the balance is definitely a lot better now like especially like in the last few weeks but I think it's also important to it was, it was like a little bit of a rocky start to intuitive eating, but I think it's important to reflect on when I did go over, you know, when it's a Sunday and I've eaten half a block of chocolate or, you know, when I've had too many drinks, it's kind of like, okay, well, why did I do that? Like, why was I eating the chocolate? And secondly, would, if I had been counting calories, would have that helped? And pretty much, you know, 99% of the time it's like, okay, well, I was eating the chocolate because for comfort reasons, like I was emotionally eating, you know, eating to numb something else. If I was calorie counting, it just would have exacerbated those feelings of guilt because it wouldn't have stopped me. 
Yeah. And I just would have been like, oh, well, I've fucked this day up. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's it, I think it's, yeah. yeah, I think it's important to like look at that and be like, well, why were you doing it? It's probably, for me, it's like, well, yeah, if I was still counting calories and tracking macros, that would have made that worse. And so, like, now I, like, I had a, a work conference two weekends ago and I won this, like, box of Hayes chocolate. And I so I keep it in my work locker. And so now, you know, every day after lunch, I just grab, like, you know, a little like handful, I'd probably say roughly like 25 grams, not because I've like tracked so long that I can, you know, can guesstimate that. And so I have that every day. And so now I can, you know, have blocks of chocolate at home and not be worried that, you know, I'm going to be hungover and I'm going to just like demolish that um, because it's, you know, that kind of is the, the thing with intuitive eating and like when you're in a good headspace, when you don't have like other issues that you're using food to escape, but it's kind of like, well, I don't have to like stuff myself now because it's always going to be there. And I, I, I think that is probably like the biggest thing I've noticed that I don't leave social events now. So I don't leave dinners um, or like meals out being like, God, I'm so stuffed. Like, because I, I don't, it's not that, okay, well, like, well, tomorrow I've got to get, like, back on it and, you know, restrict. Yeah. yeah, which is massive. Like, there's a lot of things that you said in there that I'd love to sort of touch on as well is, like, you're, you've set your environment up for success. So, you know, where it's like, okay, well, these things I've overconsumed on in the past, like, what kind of barriers and things can I, and where is it going to be more helpful for me? So putting your chocolate in at work, right? That's just like an automatic thing for you now because you've done so much like self-reflection and self-work to go, okay, this is this is what happens when I'm mindlessly acting, you know? And it's like checking in with yourself to be like, I, it's massive to go, okay, well, why, why was I doing this? What am I avoiding? What am I trying to use this as that emotional kind of, crutch so to speak and so for someone who's not as in tune with themselves as you are because I I know you put in so much work and to get here and I think that's the real key message I think you you know want to share as well and and myself too is that you didn't just get here overnight you didn't just start I walked into the gym today now I'm going to intuitively eat and whatever or you know the 20 year old self it's like my 20 year old self had no idea what emotions she was feeling at all at any point yeah just all of them what would you say to someone who yeah isn't as in touch with their emotions and is struggling a little bit with this emotional eating and this body image and self-worth geez I think like that's a a tough one because like this journey like I probably really started getting into this and kind of you know diving deeper into myself and like my triggers and self-worth and all that um when we're in the 2021 lockdown it's and like it's still, like this journey is still ongoing. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's hard because one, you've got to like want to do the work, and like, not everyone does. And yeah, you can't force people to. It's I don't know I don't know what to say because I'm like you can't force people to do that. Like I've got like friends now that like will go out on the weekend, blow themselves up, and just on Sunday just like hate themselves. And like I want to be like there's like something deeper that is making you do this that you're not aware of like but you know again can't can't. people to look at that like yeah you've you've got to yeah it's it's good unfortunately it's just got it's got to be a self-led thing Um, it's like you can you can lead the horse to water you can't make it drink kind of thing and I think like the key and maybe just to kind of help share is that it's not something that you just work up with it's something that you're like okay I'm just getting a bit curious about yourself is maybe the answer for someone someone who hears this that you know is younger and looks up and goes wow I'd really love to be in the space that you're at where you're able to be reflective and able to do these things in an admirable way it's like you started that process of just being a bit curious around like maybe why am I operating this way or what other things are out there and that curiosity kind of develops and then you get a little bit of a deeper understanding. But once you're on this side of the coin where you've done a lot of that inner work and, you know, I've, I've done this as well, I've spoken with others, is that 
you can then see that it is that mask, but when you're in it, you like, you, you know, you might be able to witness it with friends, but when, when you're actually in that yourself, you know, because we've been there, no, like you didn't realize if someone told you, oh, you're masking something, you'd be like, absolutely not. Like you got rocks in your head kind of thing. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah, you can't tell someone that, but maybe it's just, you know, encouraging to just get a bit curious about yourself or, you know, when you are, um, you know, feeling guilty or feeling shameful, just get a bit of an understanding as to why, or, you know, I, I know for myself and, and again, like I have no shame coaches have coaches. It's like, I actually was able to work through and, you know, speak with a coach around like, okay, well, this, this is what I've been doing. And, you know, getting a little bit of guidance around that area of like, okay, well, let's learn about, you know, what this does or alcohol is a big one. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't even know what alcohol does to our body. So when someone will, you know, talk to me within check-ins or, you know, even whatever it is around alcohol and consumption, it's like my first kind of thing is not to be like, oh, do or don't drink. That's not my decisions. It's like, what's important to you? What are your, what are your values? Why, you know, getting curious, why are you drinking? Do you know what alcohol does within your body? Would you like to know? And then just kind of giving a little bit more of that education-based stuff rather than dictate no if you want to be healthy quotation marks you don't do this like that's not the answer yeah I I agree I think if you're saying you don't want to do something or you're thinking like I genuinely don't want to do that anymore like I don't want to wake up hangover I don't want to you know get drunk and you know have blackouts or I don't want to like eat half a block of chocolate like it doesn't make me feel good at the end of it don't just like don't beat yourself up and write it off like, oh, I don't have willpower. Like there's probably something deeper that you're just not aware of that like that is your, that there's probably some like trigger that the food or the alcohol is your reaction to. Yeah. So how do you get curious? Like how do you actually support yourself now from an emotional standpoint outside of food? Because obviously that used to be the go-to or, you know, sometimes like we all have our slip-ups and things. What what kind of things and strategies do you use now for your support? I think, um, again, and this is going to be like specific to me, but like my kind of default is to be like I'm almost like hyper-independent, like, always like toxic independent um so like very guarded don't like kind of like not emotionally available and again like those are things that I've like have discovered in this journey and so that and that's kind of like how I got into emotional eating I realized because I would keep all my emotions bottled up and I wouldn't like go and like lean on someone and support so like food was my like what I was leaning on mm-hmm. yeah back to the, the like hyper independence so like the, two weeks ago I like got home from work and I was just feeling like so overwhelmed like just like ready to burst into tears and I called mum rather than kind of just you know because like yeah part of that like hyper independence and emotional unavailability so I don't want to show emotion I don't want to be vulnerable um and so it was like even like it's my mum but even like making that call and being like god like I'm really sad I'm really overwhelmed like felt way better after I did it um but there was there's still that like resistance to go and do that yeah so yeah and I think yeah if I go to like it was when was it I think it was one day this week where like I'd had my chocolate at work and like I had like a a block in the cupboard and I was like I was like, oh, I'll just have a piece. And then I kind of like stopped and I was like, do I really feel like it? Like, I don't think I do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, just kind of like, and, and that comes with awareness, but kind of pausing and being like, how am I going to feel after this? Is it going to make me feel better or worse? It's probably going to make me feel worse. Whereas like sometimes I'm like, you know, I've, had lunch and I'm you know I'm content but I'm like I just really want a piece of chocolate and so I'll have the piece of chocolate yeah I think perfectly said and to expand on like that and kind of like wrap it up in a bit of a bow is like it's a skill that you have to develop just like training just like you know learning how to track at that point in your time in your life I should say 
having this emotional intelligence and this awareness within yourself is a skill that you've developed and continue. It's, you know, we're forever a student in this realm. And so what works for you isn't going to work for someone else, you know, not necessarily. And and again, like I know we've had this conversation, like these are the things that I do and this is what I've tried and this is what other people are doing. Maybe something might resonate for you, but it's not necessarily going to be the exact same thing. And if your default is that I'm guarded and I'm not going to show those emotions, then doing that thing that's a little bit outside of your comfort zone and being a little bit vulnerable in a safe environment. So, you know, you're not getting on your social media and just emotionally dumping on everyone. You're calling someone who is, you know, a safe person in your life to have that kind of, oh, I don't know if this is going to feel good in the moment, but then expressing that like you did or the same thing of that level of awareness to actually ask yourself, do I want this chocolate? People that haven't done a bit of that inner work or gotten curious about themselves, probably their default, and this is where we we talk about the earning the right to be in this position, their default is, well, yes, I do. Because it's that disguise of the emotion, but you've been able to get there. Yeah. Like, actually, no, I, I don't. I'm just going to it for a bit of gratification, bit of instant gratification of that dopamine hit. And it's like, how could you support yourself outside of that? And it's like, this is that mindfulness. And a lot of people hate that word. They're like, it's a dirty word. They think it's this people meditating for hours on end, but it is, it's like that, that awareness and that scan throughout your body of like, what do I actually want in this moment? Yeah. Yeah. agree. Yeah. It's wild. I feel like we, you and I could keep talking about so many things and I'm like, I really yeah. like, I'm, I'm like, oh, there's so much here. Like there's, there's so much, I think, you know, people I hope have gained a lot of, a lot from this conversation as well. I'd love before we sort of like wrap things up is just to kind of talk a little bit more around the last little bit of that, that body image and how, how has your journey, like, how have you gone through that journey just to touch on that? That's yeah. That's been like a, a an up and down Thing and I'd be lying if I said that you know sometimes I still look in the mirror and I'm like oh, like I wish I was a bit leaner or you know things like that but I think that and I'd say like since I've started intuitive eating it has gotten like it has gotten better but yeah like the it's tough still one because it's so like it's still it's such a deep like topic like and it's so like to to build self-worth and and that kind of thing is like you're on like if you have self-worth issues um or self-esteem issues and like not everyone does yeah but like I'd say like probably a lot of people would resonate this like it's not like a a quick fix no it's something that you kind of like have to like gradually chip away at and I think like there's kind of like strategies that can help and like one thing that I've thought about kind of recently is like I used to wear like a lot of like tight fitting short dresses and stuff like that um and you know when I'm not having a great body image day like that doesn't make me feel good yeah so kind of like you know now when I buy clothes and it's almost like I would buy that because it was like that's what like the hot girls where like that's what like the Instagram influencers and the models are wearing on that. So you like you kind of, it's and like it's weird because all this stuff happens like subconsciously. Like you don't yeah. you're not actually having these thoughts front of mind. And so you go and buy it and then you try it on and you're like, oh it like it doesn't look that great. Um but you buy it anyway. Yeah. And you're like, oh I'll I'll fit into that later. I'll like, you know, that'll be my goal to fit into that. Whereas like now I'm kind of just like, I've yeah, kind of maybe leaning towards wearing things that like make me feel better, like rather than just wearing. What's in at the time. Yeah. But yeah, like this, I think all this stuff is connected because, you know, if I'm having a bad body image day, I've probably, you know, emotionally ate the day before or I've drunk too much alcohol and I'm inflamed and puffy and, you know, a little more anxious, a little bit like got a case of the blues kind of thing. And and I definitely notice that because when I've, you know, if I have like two weeks or a couple of weeks where I haven't really been going out and I've like my sleep's been really good when I'm kind of nailing all those aspects, then I do feel great because – you know, I don't have that inflammation. I don't have that water weight 
things like that. Like my digestion is good. Digestion's like, a massive one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's something like I've like really like my digestion is like a, a massive issue. Like it's and it's like a bit of a family history thing as well. And like for context for people, before I moved to intuitive eating, like the first step was like I stopped weighing myself. Yeah. Because I was just like I'd wake up in the morning and I'd, you know, look in the mirror and be like, oh, like I feel good today. Like I feel lean. And then I'd jump on the scales and I'd be up and I'd be like, I, you know, didn't even remember that five seconds ago I like felt really good at about it just, you know. And I I know that like people say that like data is objective and things like that, but, you know, data is objective, but you might attach a subjective meaning to it. So, yeah, that, that was kind of the first thing to go before I then moved to intuitive eating. And just on that scale is like, I think there's things in sliding scales, right? Like, the, you know, the actual scale itself. You can't work through everything at every point at all at the same time, right? These yeah. like things like moving to intuitive eating, maybe, you know, um, relinquishing your attachment with the scales, all of these things probably can happen, right? You know, on different phases and different spectrums of our lives. But when we've got high output with, you know, our social life, our training, our busy end of the year, you know, weddings, Mexico, et cetera, trying to go down this deep rabbit hole of like your attachment with the scale and your attachment with emotional eating and attachment with yourself, you get yourself in a, like a little hole that you're just like, where am I even at? So it's like working through these things at different points. So having to remove the scale and then move into this intuitive space helps with that. And then we can measure these things in the other way. Who knows? You might then want to work on the relationship with this particular, you know, objective data point, so to speak, or may not, you know, those things are going to, I feel like it's like, we don't have to have have the answer to that all the time. And we have to work through things and we must do these things in this exact methodical way. It's going to be based on the person's needs at the time. So, you know, you moving into this intuitive eating, having the scales in would have just not made this a very seamless or smooth process because you would have that, oh, what the hell is this, you know? And it's like maybe yeah. to track kind of thing. The thing you mentioned about the clothes as well, I like I love that insight and I feel like a lot of people need to hear more of it is that clothes are designed to fit our body, <laughs> not us fit the clothes. Would you agree with yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. I, I do agree. And I like, I also think, and like, again, I've had this said to me and like, it depends on what stage of your journey it is because you're like, you know, when this is said to me, when this has been said to me before, I'm like, shut up, like whatever. Yeah. But like, everyone is like the main character in their own life. Like you're worried going out thinking you look fat or this, you know, this piece of clothing doesn't look good on you. But no one else is looking at you with that much detail. Like they're thinking about themselves. Yes. And so, and it's, yeah, and it's like you kind of maybe feeling puffy or maybe like the scales jumped a kilo overnight. No one's looking at you thinking, God, you're obese. Like <laughs> I've had like friends that have lost like, you know, 10 kilos and someone's like, oh, they're looking really good. And I'm like, oh, like, have they changed? Like, I'm like, unless you show me before and after, if you show me before and after, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, they have lost weight. But, like, you know, I'm not noticing that day to day. Yeah. Well, and that's it. We're not, no one else is as emotionally invested in our own results and our own lives and our own thing other than ourselves. That's why, like, again, having a coach from an objective standpoint is, like, you're not as emotionally invested. The same thing is like, you're not emotionally invested in your friends' lives in, in that realm, in other ways, but you're not looking at them walking around with, oh, their scale weights attached to their head like a little Sims character. Like it does, yeah. does not happen like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. That's so funny. Like I, it's, it's so true because like I used to, I used to say the um, thing of like, how do, why do I think I'm so important that everyone's thinking about me? Like that was the question yeah. I would reflect. I'm like, okay, like if I would have a moment of like, oh, and we all have them, like, you know, okay, I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm just going to chuck this on because I feel more comfortable or we're going to this place. I'm going to be sitting down. I don't really want tight jeans that I'm, you know, it's coming in at my waist and I'm, I'm happy with how they look and I'm comfortable within myself, but I'm going to be sitting for the next three hours. I don't really want to do it in ones that are just cutting in. I'd rather wear something that's more flowy or easy to sit in based on where I'm going, right? 
but it's like those things are going to, they're, they're, they're going to change for us at different times. But if we actually check in with ourselves and see, okay, are we trying to hide ourselves because we're not feeling good? Or are we just being objective of like, oh, you know what? I'm going to this event. I'm going to be sitting down. I'm going to wear this. It's from a de- very different place than I need to hide and cover up. And it's just, it again, yeah. I think we keep coming back to this checking in with ourselves and our thoughts and our emotions is the really important piece of the puzzle with all of this. Would you say that's true? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mindset is massive. It's like a huge part. It's like it literally dictates yeah. everything that we do in our day. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Like, like food and exercise, like you like your diet and exercise, like aren't happening in a vacuum. Like they're no. just like, a, you know, part of the broader picture and everything's all you know tangled up in this spider's web of of how they all interrelate absolutely and it's a bit of a touchy one is like I want I for one definitely advocate for actual um you know therapy and support if that's what the person is needing but I don't want to shy away from discussing mindset and strategies and things like that because like you said it is all intertwined like for me you know and the and the knowledge and the things and the extra work that I do on myself. I'm like, this has helped me in my journey with my training and my nutrition. It's really important that we kind of look at this from this holistic standpoint, because as much as it'd be like, do this, do this, do this. It's like, there's a deeper issue. And we can often see that through different patterns and the way these things show up. And, you know, there's all these mindset coaches and things out there now. I'm not, you know, talking about that kind of realm, but talking about like just how they actually all do intertwine and getting curious about ourselves and just starting that discovery journey for someone, you know, how do I check in with my values? How do I see what's important to me? And if someone's struggling with that, then 100% reach out and have some, you know, psychological support. Like it's so important because it's going to impact everything else. And like you mentioned, it's not just often, more often than not, it's not just a willpower thing. It's just not, it's not just because you can't do it or you're not good enough or you're not this. Yeah. It's usually something much deeper than that, than yeah, what's on the surface level. Yeah, agree. Is there anything else before we wrap it up that you'd like to share just about your experiences, your journey, or just some advice to give to someone who listens to this and is inspired by what you've done so far? I know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like not that, um, not that I can really think of. I think just, yeah, but probably the, the main point that you kind of said earlier is that no one's like, I guess no one's journey is going to be the same and like the issues I've faced aren't going to be the same. Like, you know, I've got friends that are going through, you know, they have their own issues, but emotional eating isn't how they lean on it. Like they've got other kind of vices for want of a better word that they, um, that they turn to that, you know, a negative for them. Um, so yeah, the key is to just get, if you are struggling, like the key is to not put yourself down, but just get curious about why you think you're doing it. Like what trigger has happened before you've just gone and emotionally ate. Like, yeah. Yeah. I love it. We'll, we'll wrap it up with the, the saying of stay curious. I think that's a perfect yeah. day. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been my pleasure. And um, hopefully we'll be able to chat some more and some more insights and some more wisdom. But for now, everyone can stay curious. (laughs) Thanks, Ray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the You But More Powerful podcast. If you're determined to continue to expand and grow and reach heights you never thought were possible, you'll want to make sure you're subscribed so you'll never miss out on a single episode. If you loved today's, I would absolutely love your feedback and to see you tag at you but more powerful underscore podcast on Instagram. See you guys in the next episode.